Yeah, we need to look at everybody's strengths and think of how much we're missing if kids are going through school believing, which they do, believing they're not smart enough, they're not good enough, they'll never get anywhere, they can't, they might have a million wonderful ideas, but their writing is not a talent for them. And so they don't know that, that wait, dictate. <laughs> Welcome to How to Have Kids Love Learning, where we explore ideas and strategies for parents and educators that help students thrive. I'm your host, Ed Madison. I'm a professor and researcher at the University of Oregon and serve as executive director of the Journalistic Learning Initiative, a nonprofit organization that empowers middle and high school students to discover their voice, improve academic outcomes, and become self-directed learners through project-based storytelling. And I'm Bo Brusco, former ELA teacher and multimedia journalist and Ed's co-host here on the podcast. And it is my uh, honor and privilege to introduce our guest today, Mariemma Willis. Uh, Mariemma Willis is an author, speaker, consultant, and trainer. She is the co-author of Discover Your Child's Learning Style, Midlife Crisis Begins in Kindergarten, and The Power of You Now, Seminars for Adults. Mariemma is also the co-founder of Power Traits for Life, an educational program that acknowledges students' natural gifts and abilities and provides them with customized learning programs. Mariemma currently resides in Ventura, California with her husband, Ron. Welcome to the podcast, Mariemma. We're so happy to have you. Hi, thank you so much for um, that really nice introduction. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, thank you for being here. Yes. Yeah, I think a great question to start with, because, you know, learning styles, uh, I've, I've heard about learning styles before, but uh, let's just set the record straight. What is your, or how, how would you define what a learning style is. Yeah, definitely. And also the the term learning styles for a while was like a bad word, sort of like it was like, oh, that's nothing that doesn't work, you know, but mm. basically all it means is how do you learn best? And we know we're all different, right? So people learn differently, just like they can communicate differently. They like different things. So it's just all about how does this person learn best? And in our work, we have come up with five areas that we'd look at. Um, there, you know, there's always more because we can't measure everything about every human, but <laughs> these are the basic yeah. categories that, you know, we measure. And so we started calling them power traits um, mm -hmm. Because the term learning styles was sort of, you know, falling out of grace. Oh, interesting. <laughs> but it's the same okay. idea. It's what helps you learn best. Uh, can you uh, briefly give us those five? Sure. So we look at dispositions, which is like your person, your learning personality. We look at modality. How? What's the best way for your brain to take in information? Um, we look at your interests. What are you passionate about? Because that's part of it. Um, your talents. So what are you just naturally good at? How, you know, that you were born with these things. And then um, the environment, your surroundings, because they have something to do with, I, I, I noticed on your website, you had, uh, I, I didn't uh, print that part, but something about the context mm. is important. Um, the context of learning is just as important and valuable as the content of learning. And we totally yeah. believe that. So those are the five uh, categories. 
Yeah, the uh, the context of learning uh, definitely definitely important. Uh, I mean, when it when it comes to learning, right? Because it's a lot different when you're just either reading something from a book book or looking something up online, as opposed to actually being in front of it, uh, being able to handle it, being able to interact with it in a in a more uh, like immediate way. Definitely. Right. Right. And we include other things in that, like your surroundings, like some people do better if there's music in the background and some people Mm. need it to be totally quiet and somebody else needs just background noise Um, or working with one or two other people is what really helps them to understand what they're trying to learn and and remember it. Um, There's the temperature, there's even color. For some people, color can be crucial or the lighting, uh, fluorescent lighting is not that great. And for some people, it's it's really terrible. Mm-hmm. So all of these things to just be aware of them and what is affecting how you learn and work too. Like how do you, you know, if you're in an office or wherever you are, what's affecting you to do the best job that you yeah. can. And I wonder how you um, advise the teachers um are able to make these kinds of personalized um, ways of, of working with students when in many cases they may have 30, 32, you know, students in a classroom mm-hmm. and, and, and they're just trying to really, you know, get through the day. <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, it's true. Yeah. So, um, you know, we, we've had whole schools that love this idea and they've, sort of empowered all the teachers to use it. So we actually have a power traits assessment that we developed based on these five categories. And so the students take them online and then the results are there and teachers can discuss it with the students. Um, Now you can't do, if you have 30 kids, 20 kids even, or even 10, you can't do everything for every single, you know, student, right? Mm -hmm. But there are a lot of things you can do. I know one teacher in particular that was writing to us and saying, you know, after my kids did this, I put the ones that needed to be by natural light by the window and somebody else really felt safer under the table in the corner. And so they were able to work there. And then some kids have uh, headphones because music is helping them. Um, Some kids need to doodle. So I put stuff out for that. And so it's not, it's not as hard as you would think. Um, and uh, sort of groups of kids can do a similar thing, you know, like yeah. you might have three kids that want to, uh, that need headphones because uh, music is better for them. So it's, it's pretty easy once you get started on it. Um, and then the other thing is, this is so cool. When kids know that you really want to give them what they need for their best learning, they are all of a sudden, it's like, it's okay. You know, it's okay if you can't give me that, but I can do this. So that'll help me a lot. And so then they're much more willing to to try to do the other things that maybe are not so much with their learning style. Yeah, I feel like uh, it's also very empowering just to the students for them to know what their learning style is. So e- even if you're a Absolutely. teacher and you can't necessarily accommodate all of them, if you can get your your students to understand, uh, you know, their specific learning style, I think that's half the battle. And it sounds like uh, with the five categories, you're just taking into account the sort of 
unique entirety of a personality, right? Uh, and all the the variety there. Um, and I I think uh, it's useful to to help students or your children try to discover these learning styles when they're young. So what advice or tips do you have for parents uh, to help them uh, identify the unique learning styles or help their kids identify their unique Yeah, styles? absolutely. So, I mean, there's so much you can do just by observing. And a lot of parents already know these things because they'll call me and they'll say, definitely, I know he needs this and this and this or she, but how do we do that? Like in a, a, practically, you know, mm-hmm. or how do I get the teacher to know about these things? So for example, the dispositions, we have five dispositions, spontaneous, curious, imaginative, organized, and supportive. So the spontaneous, you can kind of guess they need to move. Mm-hmm. Sitting in a desk, even for an hour, <laughs> even for 20 minutes. <laughs> so maybe, and, and this goes for people who homeschool as well, because they're in a position, a little bit easier position to kind of customize these things, right? So, or for homework, your, your child might go to traditional school, but they have homework. So if they need to move, they might need a bouncy ball, you know, those, those like yoga ball things. Yeah. And so, because just that amount of movement allows them to sit there for longer periods of time and get their work done. Or they might need to stand up like at a drafting type uh, height, you know, like a drafting table height where they're standing up Um, and even have those, uh, I forgot what they're called, those uh, things that you can stand on that kind of uh, move back and forth. They use them for exercise. They're like like, like an elliptical or whatever. Yeah. It's like a little half dome thing and you stand on it and, it just kind of moves back and forth. Uh, uh, our listeners can just do a quick Google search to yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Amazon has them because I got one for myself. It's also good so that if you're standing too long, you know, in position, it's not affecting you health wise. Mm-hmm. So um, anyway, the spontaneous person needs to move and it's okay to let kids move around. And no, not everybody will want to do that because that's the first question. Well, then all the kids will no, they won't. I would never have wanted to do that because that's not my style or power trait. So mm-hmm. you give them what they need and then everybody learns about all the different styles and there's more cooperation and respect for each of them. So the curious people, they're easy to spot because they have hundreds of questions all the time and they might learn to not a- ask anymore because if they've been sort of shut down, like you're disturbing the class or that has Mm. nothing to do with what we're talking about. Well, it does for them because when they're listening to whatever the lesson is, it takes them over here and now they're going, oh, and they're making a connection and they might come out with a question or, or a statement that sounds like it's way off, but it's helping them to connect the learning. So you want to, you know, encourage that and, and support that. The imaginative people, they often are labeled ADHD because they're off in their own heads and it's, they're the idea people. They're always coming up with new ideas and figuring things out. It might look like they're, you know, it used to be called daydreaming. <laughs> so, you know, anybody can recognize these, these styles, right? You probably even know adults that you're going, oh, yeah, my brother or my, you know, whatever. 
the the then there's the supportive. The supportive is the one that loves to work with other people, so they can learn better, and and in that way, and they like harmony and doing projects together. Um, and then the organized, that's the the fifth one. That's the one that everybody loves in school. That I was an organized disposition. You know, you're at your desk, everything's neat. Yeah. You have your little planner, you have everything. <laughs> were, you, were you the were you the teacher's favorite in most classes? Yep, I was yeah. one. <laughs> you know, I, I, I wanted to ask you about this uh, uh, the, book that you collaborated on called My Book of Me. Oh, yes. The I Am Project. Um, tell me, tell yeah. us a little bit about that. Yeah. Yes. So that is a workbook for kids to learn about what we're talking about right now. Mm-hmm. So they go through it and they they look at um, the different definitions of these, you know, different dispositions. And they go, oh, yeah, that one sounds like me or I have a combination. You're usually just not one totally. You might be a couple of them or, you know, two or three in combination. And so the kids can figure it out too, even without taking our assessment, you can figure it out. Parents can, kids can. So it goes through that, then it goes through their modalities and it, and it talks about, you know, the learner that uh, learns really well by listening and the one that needs to talk out loud in order to learn. You have to say it and hear yourself talk, or you need to see pictures or videos um, or reading is your best way or building, making something is your best way, or whole body movement and experiencing is your best way. Uh, Sketching, that's one, a sketching learner that needs to kind of doodle and sketch while they're listening. So all of these things are different ways of learning. And uh, so it takes them through all that and they get to to think, yeah, I think that's me, that's me. Um, Then they go through like, well, what can help you in your environment and uh, uh, your what are your interests? What are your talents? Those kinds of things. So that's what that that workbook is for the kids to own it themselves and and really go through and learn it, um, like sort of experience it themselves. Mm-hmm. I think it's fair to say you were talking about growth mindset before that became sort of a. <laughs> yes. Uh, Thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, almost everything we used to talk about, um, we developed this work in, uh, let me see, 1988. Mm-hmm. And so many of the things we were talking about then uh, later came out with, you know, like terms for them. But strengths-based learning, that's us. Mm-hmm. And you have a whole piece about that on your website as well. Mm-hmm. It's focus on the strengths. Focus on the strengths. And it's through those strengths that if they have to do something over here that's not their you know, forte, they can learn to do it through their strengths. And a plus, they have so much confidence if they've been encouraged to use their strengths that now they're not afraid to, to try something that's maybe a little bit harder or, or is not their talent or not their mm-hmm. primary skill. Mm-hmm. Everyone's talking about generative AI, and I'm just curious, you know, if you've had a chance to play around with it yourself or what your thoughts are about how it may help us, um, uh, you know, 
give kids a more uh, personalized, uh, you know, uh, approach to instruction. Yeah. I mean, I think all of this stuff is good if it's used in a good way, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I have not gotten that far into AI. I, I know about it. I know some of the things that it can do. Uh, I know, for example, about um, generating, you know, like generating the essay for you or mm-hmm. the book report or whatever. And actually, um, I know teachers who love that because mm-hmm. let them do that. And then the kids learn to look at that and bring out the parts that they would put together. And so the final mm-hmm. thing is their own. But it's like research. You know, you go right. in. Yeah. When I was in school, you had to go to the library when I was in high school years ago. You went to the library. You got all these books. You made notes on cards, you know, to write your report, your research report. And then you listed all the books where you got that from. But the words were in the books, right? Of course, you're not supposed to parrot it back. But you take notes on the words and then you make them your own. So in a way, it's the same thing. It's just giving us more ways um, to do that. You know, we use it on our job. So why not teach kids to use it the right way from the beginning? Yeah, no, I know there's a lot of concern about cheating and plagiarism and who's really the author and all of that. But yeah. last week, I saw a demo at a conference a couple of weeks ago that that really was um, it was asking questions as opposed to answering. So it was really prompting kids uh, to write uh, better, you know, um, analyzing yeah. their you know, analyzing their opening paragraph and saying, hey, you, you know, didn't get to the point or whatever else. And and so I think it could potentially be um, uh, a useful tool. Like you say, it's it's kind of not always the tools themselves. It's, you know, kind of how we, what we intend to do with them that yeah. can make a difference. Yeah, I think um, this kind of ties in back to the growth mindset uh, kind of angle we were taking, right? Because if a student feels like, yes, I can do this and AI can enable me to do it, mm-hmm. uh, then they still have confidence in themselves, right? And confidence in their ability to use resources like AI to accomplish or learn or whatever it is. Uh, but if it comes more from, uh, you know, what what they call like a fixed mindset, or maybe they don't have that confidence in themselves and they depend and feel like they have to rely on AI because they don't think they're smart enough, they don't think they can figure it out. And I think right. that's that's more sort of the negative the negative potential of it. But yeah, it's like it's like anything, right? There's a positive and negative aspect of just about anything. Even donuts. Uh, one donut is great, but if uh, <laughs> you, you know, uh, but if you eat too many donuts, man, that's that's bad news, right? So I yeah. don't know. I wouldn't even have one donut, but that's just me. what. <laughs> uh, right. <laughs> so, but but yes. We have great tools, you know. Mm. It's wonderful that kids now, if they're a little delayed in reading, you can, uh, you know, put it on so that it'll be read for you. You can go to the computer program and it'll be read for you. So nobody has to be left behind because they might not have this skill or that skill or that talent. And while they're learning it, Because, for example, let's say you have somebody in seventh or eighth grade, and they're not what you would call an eighth grade reader, okay? Mm. They're not that great at reading. 
but they can still learn and they usually know so much. They learn from videos, they learn from TV. There are kids that watch all those National Geographic and science programs and they know much more than I ever did. I got all A's in school, but it was only because I knew how to, you know, my talent was read, memorize, take the test. But uh, I didn't really, back in you the know, day. That no, was... but I didn't know anything, you know, yeah. I mean, I could read and write. I, I knew that and I could do math, but there were kids in my classes who were getting F's and I distinctly remember them knowing all the, the uh, scientific formulas by heart and knowing what they meant, uh, all the chemical names, you know, and I, I didn't know any of that, but I could get an A on the science test. So it was like that. And so th that's part of why I went into this field, by the way, because I couldn't figure out how could they know all this stuff and be failing when I was getting A's and I didn't really know it. Yeah. You know, you know what this reminds me of? And this might this might sound like a cliche at this point, because I think uh, most everyone in education has heard this analogy before. But it's like that comic where uh, like a bunch of different animals all have to take the same test. So you have like oh, yes. a fish, an yes. elephant and a monkey. And the test is like climb up this tree and get this fruit or something like right. that, you know? Right. And I have that cartoon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah but, I mean, it won't happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so perfect we illustration of how every, different we are. Yeah, we need to look at everybody's strengths and think of how much we're missing if kids are going through school believing, which they do, believing they're not smart enough, they're not good enough, they'll never get anywhere, they can't. They might have a million wonderful ideas, but their writing is not a talent for them. And so they don't know that, that wait, dictate. <laughs> <laughs> but it's considered not, um, you know, a smart thing to do. Well, if you have to dictate, then you're not up to par. Well, it's okay. You might have the most amazing stories in your head. And don't we have proofreaders and editors and yeah. all anyway? So um, it's just one example. But we have brilliant kids that are sitting there thinking, that they can't do anything and they grow up to be adults that think they can't do anything. Yeah. And that's, that's too bad. And, uh, I know Ed's talked about, um, how it's, it's usually right around, uh, middle school, uh, that kids begin to believe that they're not good at certain mm. topics or subjects, and then they begin to, to gather evidence to support that, that stance. Right. And so it's really important to help kids when they're young, uh, set them up for success by helping them learn, you know, their, their learning styles and uh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. To inst inst develop that confidence. Well, thank you so much, Mary Emma. I think we have to wrap up here, but yeah. thank you so much for coming onto this podcast and, uh, and yeah, we'll definitely let our listeners know they can find um, your book, discover your child's learning style online, or they can go to your website, power traits for life and take that assessment uh, to help their students or, or child uh, find and discover their learning style. Yeah, that's great. And also, uh, I have one more website if you want to know more about homework help or things like that or homeschooling, and it's schoolathomemadeeasier.com. So that's another resource. 
school at home made easier.com, whether it's homework or homeschool. Um, and, and there are links there to, we have a couple of different podcasts, the series and a blog and all, you know, all kinds of things there as resources. Mm. So, and a newsletter, awesome. you can sign up for the newsletter. So awesome. Of <laughs> all right. Thank you so well, thank much. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Kids Love Learning is produced by the Journalistic Learning Initiative. For more information about our work, please visit journalisticlearning.com.